0: Welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, the podcast where we break down the delusions, fallacies, and misunderstandings about markets, investing, and risk. I'm your host, Ken Goldberg, and I've spent the last four decades immersed in the world of finance and investments, from big Wall Street firms to the Chicago trading floor. I've founded and sold three hedge funds, won the World Cup Trading Championship, and my insights have been highly sought after as the most read outside contributor at street.com. In this podcast, it's just you and me deep diving into the topics that most investors just don't understand. I'll be sharing my experiences, observations, and strategies to help you level the playing field and make more informed decisions. So let's go. Today's show is entitled The Balloon Awaits Only the Pin, But You Don't Have to. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit of depth today because of the potential for an outsized result. There are a few times in our lives when things become very clear, and usually that happens after the moment of truth or the moment of action or in some cases the moment of disaster this has happened with terrorist activities where uh, nobody thought anyone was going to fly planes into u.s skyscrapers and then it became clear that there were hints that that was going to happen more recently it became clear that the tightest, most extreme security measures on the planet in Israel were not as tight as they were previously thought to be. And this is because as humans, we get fooled by what's called the recency effect. In other words, when there's recency, in, in the in the most recent time, when we look back, if it's peaceful, we tend to project peace forever. When there's no earthquakes, we tend to believe there's not going to be. When there's no big floods, we tend to build homes right on rivers. And only after the disasters happen or the incidents that no one thought would happen have happened, does the light bulb go off in our heads. And we say, oh, God, I wish I would have been more attentive to that. So again, the title of today's episode, the balloon awaits only the pin, but you don't have to. So what's the pin? Well, let's describe, let's talk about what the markets look like today. So one of the ways that we can see whether or not humans or the two or three billion humans that have been um, blessed enough to have capital to invest. Of course, there's billions of humans that have not been blessed in that way. But let's just assume we're talking about two or three, let's say 2 billion people out of the eight and a half billion on the planet who are looking at capital markets and investments. And they look around and see what other people are doing. We all look around and see what the guy next to us Or the woman next to us is doing. And we tend to do that because human nature is such that we would rather go broke or suffer in a crowd than do well and succeed alone. Humans are pack animals. We herd. We're part of a crowd. We don't like to be on our own. We like to say we're on our own and that we're independent, but we are not. We are crowd Types of beings, and we like being around other people. So when we get our collective unconscious to an extreme, either an extreme negative mood or an extreme positive mood, we can see signs that that mood can no longer progress. In other words, things get too good to be true. And one of the ways we can see that over history, and I've showed this on podcast in the past 18 months is there's this thing called the hemline indicator and the hemline indicator describes the length of women's dresses and skirts from floor length to miniskirts and hot pants and the theory goes that when the crowd is exceedingly ebullient, when we have no fear, when we believe that everything is going to stay positive, when our mood becomes extreme to the positive end of the pendulum swing, women's fashions tend to show more skin. So at the tops of bull markets, history shows that women are wearing short skirts, hot pants, mini skirts, Things like that. In the past, I've shown uh, various rock stars like Rihanna or Jennifer Lopez who have shown up to media events wearing see-through garments. So if you look at the first chart in the show notes today, you're going to see the picture of approximately eight, uh, we're going to see eight recent fashion statements, both on the runways in Paris and Milan, and just out on the streets in in the US of women wearing almost no clothes. Essentially, they're wearing underwear. And the theory of socionomics stands that when the length of women's skirts become so short as shocking, then stock markets tend to peak. And as you can see from these eight examples of current fashion extremes, there's not a whole lot of skin being covered. There's almost nothing left to uncover. And therefore, if history is going to repeat the stock market is at or near a major, major high. And in fact, the stock market peaked a year and a half ago in January of 2022. And prices have not exceeded those extremes since. In fact, there is a stock market peak in force. And we're still seeing more and more skin showing up in fashion. We're seeing shorter and shorter extremes of women's fashions so that tells us that there's an all-time historic record level of positive social mood that's being exhibited and when that mood ends then there's what's called a retracement and the retracement will result in no more underwear looking garments it will result in hem lengths dropping radically and drastically and quickly all the way down to the floor and we're not there yet in fact we're at the opposite end of the spectrum so as our pundits and media talking heads come out and tell us that the recession is almost over and it's going to be a soft landing and we're almost done with this stock market correction we have to do a double take and that's because the crowd, our social mood is exhibiting top tick, peak enthusiasm, massive complacency and an extreme discounting of fear. In other words, the public us investors have no fear and which is shocking again, because look at the second. Chart in the show notes and you'll see a picture of the Dow going all the way back to the late 1700s. 230 or 40 years of Dow Jones history. And obviously, as you can see, since the Dow is in the upper right hand corner, according to this chart, having approached nearly 40,000, the market is not at a low. And when the market gets to a low, it will look like the low to the left, 1932. It could even look like the low to the left of that, 1842. And it could look like the lows in the 1965 to 1982 level. That's that kind of heartbeat zigzag uh, pattern that is just to the right of 1929. And it could look like the one that's just to the left of 10,000, that's the 1999-2000 peak to the 2002 crash and the 2007 peak to the 2009 crash. So those two markets peaked just above 10,000 and fell about 50% to just around 6,000 or so. And that could be where this next market decline is going. As you can see, the arrows show what happens when markets peak. The arrows show, starting in 1837 to the 1842 decline, that they tend to crash sharply back to the level of support to the left. And by support, I mean the squiggly up and down types of Market patterns, which creates the high and low that I've drawn a green box around. Now, I didn't make up the green box. I didn't make up the squiggles. I just drew a box around the pattern. I also drew the box around the pattern that happened after the 1929 peak to 1932 crash. That red arrow crashed all the way down to that very, very low. But if you can see the green box bottom level, look to the left also is capturing all of that sideways action that came before it. And so if we imply or infer, depending upon your perspective, if we take those two historic moments and we apply them to where we are now, then the first target is the area that I've circled in green in the upper right-hand corner, which is somewhere in the Dow between 6,000 and 12,000. Why did I pick those? I didn't. I just drew a green box around what the market picked as reasons to peak and fall and reasons to stop stop falling and turn back up. So again, I'm not making up the box. I'm just drawing the box around the pattern that the market chooses to repeat quite often why because the way history moves with the stock market and the reason that happens is because we're humans and we continue to to act and react in the same way that history shows us how we react and we react in similar patterns and when we react in similar patterns we tend to get similar results so just taking history We can see on this chart, which is labeled oblivious to disaster. That's a statement by my friends at Elliott Wave International, who created this chart. On how the public, the crowd, the two billion people that are in the markets can see this information, it's right there in front of us. And they see what happened in 1929 and in 1837. And they are oblivious to how bad things can get. The crashes that tend to come after those peaks are typically unbelievable and they cause massive pain and destruction in capital and assets and, and buying power. And the current environment, the current sentiment, our, our social mood is more positive than it's ever been. If you look in the lower right-hand corner, you can see here in 2023, this negative 29.70. And if you look to the left in 1932, that same measure was only minus 12.75. And in 1842, that same measure was only minus 28.24. So right now in the 2023, this is one measure that's showing that never ever before in history, Have we as a crowd been so complacent, been so non-threatened that we have continued to blow up this bubble to a point that fashion lengths, skirt lengths, hemlines have never been shorter? On most of those fashion examples that I just showed you in chart one, they're not even hem lengths, they're just underwear. How much underwear can you show or how much underwear can you not show? How little can your underwear get? I mean, we're, that's the point where fashion has moved. So that tells us that we're at a extreme in social mood. And so and an extreme in social mood tends to be associated with extremes in stock prices, in home prices, extremes in leverage, extremes in risk assumption, and those tend to lead to a correction. Think about it like a, like a storm. You get this big storm surge, surge, and then you get the succession of the storm. The waves come in and then the waves go out. The tide rises and then the tide falls. And so same with the markets, as you can see right there from history, going back 250 years, when stock prices get too extreme and go straight up, They tend to come straight down, straight up stock prices, as you can see in the 1840s and in the 1920s, straight up stock prices do not tend to resolve by going sideways. They tend to resolve by going straight down. Where do they go straight down to the green boxes? The green boxes tell us where the previous more rational types of behavior was occurring. After the more rational types of behavior, things became irrational, exuberant, and too extreme, too ebullient. And when that occurs after some period of time, that has to be regressed. That has to be rebalanced, equalized. And that is what is coming in the U.S and most global stock markets. It's not just the US, it's all over the world. So the lesson today is that only a pin is lacking. When that pin comes, the markets are in position, like they've been in history, to fall sharply. And the evidence that the pin is near is so simple that we can actually look at fashion and see when the hem lengths go so high that they're non-existent and now underwear is actually the garment, then something is about to change. So here are a couple examples to explain where we are in the markets and give us a chance to exit before the bubble bursts. Because when the bubble bursts, it's too late. Most people don't get that. Most people think, well, I'm going to wait for the bubble to burst, and then I'm going to make my decision. It doesn't happen like that. What happens is the bubble bursts, the disaster happens. We act like a deer in the headlights for a while, and then at some point, we wake up from our hallucination, from our denial, and we say, wait a second, this is too painful, and I cannot take any more pain, and therefore... We sell our assets, we sell our extra houses, we default on loans, we sell our stocks, and we tend to do that at or very near the low, the bottom. Think of everybody who sold out in the great crash of 1929, only to miss the biggest bull market ever. And that also happened in 1987. That also happened in 2002 and in 2009. Everybody waited until Lehman collapsed, until the dot com bubble burst. Instead of getting out at the highs, they got out at the lows. Well, here we are at the highs, nowhere near the lows. And our chance, our opportunity is upon us to save our money. Look, never before has there been such an alternative to the stock market where not never before, but not in 20 years, have there been risk-free CDs and treasury bonds that are paying five plus percent with no risk to capital. Now, if you know anything about the long-term average return of the stock market, it's about seven to 8%. That's with the risk of the market. So right now, to be able to lock in money at 5 to 6% with no risk is a very unusual time. It's also happening when the markets are at or very near all-time highs. So it's one of these aha moments that we will wake up to as a crowd. And unfortunately, it'll be too late at that time because money will already have been lost. Capital Will have been destroyed, and then we have to go back to the roller coaster effect of trying to get back to even. Oftentimes, that takes five to fifteen years just to get back to even, and we have to ask ourselves whether or not we have that time. Do I have a fifteen-year period where my money can go negative and take fifteen years to get back to where it is right now? If if I don't, then why not just take the money out now, put it someplace safe, earn 5 to 6% and not have to go through the anxiety, the headaches and the roller coaster of emotions. So there we go, that's it for today. Thank you. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. Hey, I really wanted to thank everyone for honoring us and taking the time to listen to our show. There's, of course, tens of thousands of podcasts out there now, and we're grateful that you find the time to come back and listen to ours. Just know that we got you.